How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There podcast. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Barely There Pod. I'm Duke Coughlin. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at that pod guy, Duke. As always, I'm joined by Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him on Twitter at LucasFetti46. Um, and we are, we kind of have a big episode here, guys. Um, obviously, with me and Lucas going to the game on Thursday, we're trying to kind of uh, do a bit of a super show where we're covering uh, both the Vikings uh, post game. And the Commanders pregame, we were going to do two episodes this week, but like going Monday and Wednesday just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, honestly, because, you know, we just, you guys are just going to get all the same information anyway. So why not just move her into, move her, mush him and mash him into one uh, big old episode. But um, anyway, just jumping right in, Lucas, I'll let you uh, pop off here in a second. But uh, obviously Chicago Bears lose to Minnesota Vikings on Sunday 29 to 22 um it was kind of a back and forth game uh honestly it started out really really kind of feeling insurmountable um it got really ugly really quick obviously by the end of the first half uh minnesota was just kind of doing whatever they wanted on offense i believe Kirk cousins uh completed his first 17 or 18 passes in a row set a career high mark um early on it was just looking really ugly um obviously we were missing uh jalen johnson um Justin Jefferson was having that typical type of game. I believe he finished with a uh, 12 receptions, 154 yards, um, no touchdowns, luckily, but obviously didn't matter in the end. Uh, but it seemed like towards the end of the first half, um, after sputtering on offense and kind of uh, really struggling on defense, it feels like we got that one stop and forced that first punt, and this team kind of really started to take off. I mean, obviously, we had Cairo Santos keep us in the game. Um, Dave Montgomery, I believe, scoring the uh, or no, it was Valus Jones who scored the first touchdown uh, for the Bears right before the uh, end of the first half. Uh, that really kept us kind of in this game as we took the ball at halftime, and then made a made a real run of it. Um, yeah, I mean, how how are you feeling about this game, Lucas? Obviously, we have a, a bit to dive into about it, but um, you know, how did you feel? Um, a by the start and B by the momentum swing that we kind of felt heading into the uh, second half. I mean, start of the game was disgusting, like you said, insurmountable. I thought that was a, a nice big word you used there, fat boy. So I, I thought that was nice. Um, but that's exactly how it felt. It was like Minnesota isn't even playing with their food. They're just fucking eating it. They're just a fat dude at, at the IHOP just absolutely hammering away on silver dollars. That's what it felt like at first. But then things did turn around, you know. Um, overall, though, the whole game. It's a polar opposite of how I felt after Houston. I was upset after a win with the Houston Texans because realistically this season lives and dies with Justin Fields and finding out if we have QB one, I've never been this happy after a loss. And I think it really just comes down to the fact that fields rose to the occasion. This was the first time that the bears weren't able to really control things early on and keep it close. And Hey, you can justify running the ball because you know what I mean? Like it, it wasn't like that. They blew our fucking doors off in that first 18 to 20 minutes or so in the first half. And then feels just kind of snapped into a mode and, and looked like what he's advertised as is what bears fans advertised him as. Um, and it's not like he had a crazy stat game. He was just him uh, for a, a way to put it like he played at a extremely high fucking level. There were a couple missed opportunities. Um, that first drive, I want to say he missed like him and Mooney. I don't, I don't even think it was a bad throw. I think it was just a timing thing. Um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what I was getting at with some of these earlier weeks, right? Like 
you see something like that in the corner of the end zone, you miss out on an opportunity, but it's there. You saw him, he threw it, he released it. Maybe the receiver ran the, uh, a route the wrong way. Maybe Justin thought he was going to be somewhere. He wasn't right. Like you can live with those types of mistakes. It was the not releasing the ball that you couldn't, that you couldn't um, live with. And to be honest, man, like he read his hots really well. And you saw the rush slow down a ton, a ton, as, as we were talking about on last week's episode, if he gets the ball out quickly to these checks downs and his hot reads, um, knowing that, hey, this blitzing linebacker is going to vacate this zone, so this guy's going to pop into it to just let it go. Like, we saw all of that. Um, and that was the most encouraging loss I've had as a Bears fan in a long time. Yeah, and I feel like that sentiment has been echoed basically by everybody else who has kind of uh, tried to take tried to get big takeaways away from this game. Um, obviously, like, the game ended in the worst possible manner imaginable uh, with Smith. Uh, Smith Massette getting just completely manhandled and the ball ripped out of his hands. But I don't want that to take away from how well this team actually played and how well the second half adjustment really came into came into hand. You know, this is a team that dude to start out, like I was saying earlier, it was just it couldn't have been any worse. Like the offense wasn't ticking, the defense was just getting picked apart, you know, really anything they were trying to stop just wasn't working they were not getting to Kirk Cousins who as we know can be a statue in the pocket and if you do not give that statue pressure he will just masterfully throw the ball all over you man that's just kind of who Kirk Cousins is at at this point of his career and we were just struggling to get that pass rush and once you kind of saw getting Kirk off kilter being able to kind of force uh force them to play a little bit more honest by like in the receiving core um and not be able to just kind of take whatever they wanted um from whatever the defense was giving them, you kind of saw that's when the tide started to change. And then you started to see, I, I would say even more the maturation of Justin Fields, because like I, like I said before, Lucas, like I really, I've always kind of thought Justin was going to get this turned on, you know, being able to kind of see him, you know, throw those strikes downfield and get comfortable and being able to take what the defense is giving him is uh, a big plus in his, uh in his development. But this is something that like the talent that we saw, like we always knew was there. Honestly, I have to give a little bit of credit to a guy that I've been dogging essentially since week one, and that's Luke Getze. Uh, Play calling down the stretch in this game, it was night and day compared to what we've seen in the past. Like being able to call plays off script, it seemed like he got a little bit more in a rhythm of understanding what the defense is actually giving him and being able to give his quarterback the layups and give him the right matchups to take advantage of him. You know, I don't think you get that play to Darnell Mooney down deep if you don't kind of, uh, Eat, eat up the underneath before that you know I don't think you get that unless you keep them honest with the run which you know while we did throw a little bit more I mean 21 times that that's that's a lot for us this year for being totally honest but like we still were able to run the ball 24 times when we weren't getting success for it and that will still keep a defense honest even if it's not working especially when you have a guy like David Montgomery and Cleo Herbert who can pop off a run at any point you know so I think Luke Getze, especially in that second half, really looked a lot more like the guy that he was advertised to be. Now, the first half, I still have a lot of issues with how the uh, play calling was going and a lot with the game flow. Um, I feel like it took us a little bit too much time to be able to adjust the Vikings defense. But to see the halftime adjustments on the offensive side of the ball and not just see it on the defensive side of the ball was a uh, a breath of fresh air, I have to say. I mean, it's funny because like, that whole first half beatdown was like, the Bears have no fucking shot. They have no fucking shot. They have no fucking shot. And then as soon as he hits that play to Darnell Mooney, you're like, they score here, they get the ball at half, they score again. Like, you're cooking with grease, you know? Like, we're we're right in it. 
And I, I think that also I'm actually pretty sure I said that exact term in the group chat during the game. Yeah. And, and I think like, when's the, has it ever happened in your lifetime where you're like, the bears are down 17 points and you get a drive before halftime and a drive after halftime where you score both times and like put yourself back in the game. I can't remember like that alone is huge to score that last drive. You have a possession and don't even mention like, that's not to mention the block field goal that came up huge in this game. Like there were some big plays being, um, there were some big plays being made. Thanks Al. We try to rock dope as hats as, as possible. Come see him live this week. Um, but yeah, man, I, I really, um, I just think like it finally started clicking for the whole offense. Everyone was getting there. Um, Smith Marset, you know, you, you, it, that's bad. You're a, you're a street free agent that they pick up and you get your opportunity. And that's the thing too. I liked some of what he had to add. He had a few receptions there where it's like, okay, he looks like he's a little bit of a ball player. Um, but I mean, regardless of the fumble, you had the opportunity to get out of bounds. Like that's what you're supposed to do in that situation, coaching. And maybe that's something to him being a newer player or whatever. But I truly feel like Justin was robbed of a game winning drive because at that point in the game, he was not missing. Um, And and to be honest, I think like in terms of getting him going early, I think we take a few deep shots because that's what really gets him going. Seeing that happen with Darnell Mooney, I think sparked the entire team. If that play doesn't happen, um, they're not, they're probably not going to methodically drive themselves down. Like that was a confidence booster right there. Hey, we're down fucking, we're down 10 points and we get the ball at half. We, we come out, we come down and score and we're able to do things. So it's such a momentum game. And that's why analytics can't really cover everything that you're supposed to do. Um, shout out to the analytics guys. But to me, I just feel like that we need to get Justin kickstarted with something like that. Not the layup throws, not the easy quick read throws, but let him throw a fucking bomb. That's what he's, that's what he does. Um, I think that's a good way to get things started. Smith Marset also had a block in the back hall, which I thought was a bullshit block. It was almost like a flop to me in basketball where he, he had his hands on him first um, on his chest. And then the guy turned around and kind of jumped forward. That, to me, that's, that's bullshit, but that's also something the bears weren't going to just be up one. They were going to be up five or six going into that drive. I'd assume they go for two again there. Um, and had a chance to be up by a touchdown. So only needed to get into field goal range. It could have changed the whole perspective of the game. So while I do think there was some mistakes um, that led the Bears to lose to this game, like second half, they're a second half team. Even Flus has said it. They, like we're a second half team. Like we're going to just keep fucking coming at you. We're going to keep coming at you with those cold, dead fucking Flus hands. And there's got to be something in the Eber fuel because – it's kind of strange to have your defense get absolutely destroyed for the entire first half. And then second half, what happens? There's only one, one touchdown scored throughout the entire second half. Like your defense really was able to lock things down. I mean, that game could have easily been opened up to 40 if they didn't make any adjustments there. So I don't know. I, I think that's the only touchdown that has been scored against them in the second half too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That uh, the Kirk cousins QB snake. Yeah. I that think was. that's the only one that's been scored against them in the second half. So they're doing something right at halftime. That's for damn sure. But definitely need to start a little bit faster, especially against a division opponent. Uh, but I think we learned a lot about the division this past Sunday and that it's not that strong. Packers lost to the to the Giants in, in um, what's it called? Detroit got absolutely demolished. And I think this is a game that the Bears should have won. When you really calculate it all for how it started, some of the mistakes that were made, and the fact that they were in it at the end, 
I truly believe this is the game that the Bears could have won. Kirk Cousins will always be Kirk Cousins, no matter what happens. Um, any type of wild card or playoff race type game is going to be put into prime time. So you can't avoid playing in fucking prime time on the Super Bowl. So Kirk's going to have trouble no matter what. I think we know that the, the Viking ceiling is still there with Kirk Cousins because remember when I shared that stat about the 3.1 seconds that it's taken Justin Fields to, to throw? Number two on that list, Kirk Cousins at 2.9. He's always been that motherfucking guy. He's always been that guy to be able to take things underneath um, and kind of kill you with paper cuts. And that's why I didn't love the first half strategy, because as we were talking about, Duke was saying, you know, um, before we came on, it really looked like they were kind of letting Justin Jefferson get his yards, just not beat you over the top and then take care of everyone else. And it, that strategy was not working. Um, they should have paid Justin Jefferson a lot more of attention because I think we would have gotten to to Kirk a lot earlier um, and we would have seen the true Kirk Cousins throughout the game instead of just in the second half. I mean, how do you start 17 for 17 and still end up with the worst passer rating than Justin Fields? Yeah, no, it's definitely – that's like the most Kirk Cousins thing ever, if we're being totally honest. Like that is – that kind of encapsulates your entire point is like Kirk Cousins – even when he looks great, will end up being Kirk Cousins by the end of the game. Like he will just... always be Kirk Cousins. There's no way to hide that. Yeah, and I mean it's it's really funny because we're actually playing a quarterback this upcoming week who is just like that in the same sense where it's like Carson Wentz makes throws that makes you think like, wow, this guy could be a top five quarterback in the league. And then by the end of the game, you're always like walking away and being like, nah, yeah, never mind. That's Carson Wentz. You That's get that. MVP Carson, worst person ever play football in the same game every single week. Yeah, no, 100%. But uh, there's a couple points I want to kind of grab onto, and I definitely want to jump into the defensive points because I feel like the strategy against Jeff Justin Jefferson is something that did not work, and it's something that needs to be addressed, I mean, especially when we're taking a look at who's on the field, you know, because I feel like there have been, there have been some inter interesting uh, interesting personnel choices, but like I said, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, to kind of encapsulate just kind of on the last few points uh, that I have on offense, um. We, I just saw a lot of limiting of mistakes, specifically from Justin Fields. Um, I like that you brought up the Darnell Mooney play early on because that was a play where, like, there's a miscommunication there, and I still feel like um, Mooney kind of overran his route. Um, honestly, I can't tell you for sure, though. You know, it, it was a situation where I felt like Justin put that in a place that only Darnell Mooney could catch it, and I feel like the thing that's really benefiting Justin right now is it seems like he has confidence with um, – confidence against going against coverages and not worrying about them uh, undercutting the uh, routes underneath because I know the one thing that me and you Lucas saw on the day that we went to training camp and it was once they got to team Justin got uh, hit underneath on a lot of coverage and I think that's where the first pick six from Kyler Gordon came from on the first play of uh, team came from and um it's one of these things where you have to not be paranoid about the coverage. You have, you have to not be worried that someone's going to make a jump underneath. You need to be able to uh, see the spacing of your wide receivers and see where they are on the comeback and just kind of trust your arm and make that throw. And, you know, you kind of get a, you kind of got a feel from watching Justin of just seeing him get into a rhythm and just being like, I'm going to go, I'm just going to throw the football. You know, there was no second thought on any of his decisions. It that's, was, that's I'm the most encouraging. And, and my my favorite part is I used to uh, debtor him about like kind of looking at his first read 
taking that pump fake and then scanning he's scanning before that ball moves from his fucking hand now and it's a beautiful thing to see i believe there was a couple plays where he saw him go to his second and third read and it looked so natural because he wasn't over committing to his first and just kind of uh backtracking on it he saw his first read saw it wasn't there immediately went on to his, his second read and being able to process you know being able to advance your processor as a quarterback is going to be really big but um yeah that and the Mooney play to Harrison Smith in the right corner of the end zone. The only reason I want to bring this one up is because I feel like a lot of people were like, I was waiting for the screenshot to come out kind of like similar to last week where it's like, Oh, well he's got his feet set and Darnell Mooney's already open. And it's like, you know, it's really easy to see that on a screenshot, but what you're not looking at is the fact that the left side of the offensive line is getting pushed back. Justin's already on the run and being able to set your feet when you're running to the right or really running to the left is a lot easier said than done. It's not necessarily a split-second decision. Otherwise, that's how you kind of throw a hanger, and that's how that ball gets intercepted. But regardless, it was still a pretty good throw on Mooney. Obviously, you want to see that come out just a hair quicker, but that's that's a play that I'm going to let Justin try to make every single time. You know? Well, I mean, you even think about, what was he, 16 to 21 or something like that? He was, I think he was 10 for 13 15, from a clean 15 for 21, but I believe he was like 13 for 15 in the second half. 13. Yeah. And with a clean pocket, I think he was like uh, 11 of 13 or 10 of 13, something like that. So extremely encouraging, but I think just him getting the ball out on time was the most encouraging part of everything. Because like I said, those other things are correctable. Seeing Dante Pettis not being able to go get that jump ball. You know, that's what I was getting at kind of too. look at his incompletions. Like there's a few drops or plays where, hey, he put it on the receiver and the receiver has to go make a play. That's something that will be fixed. And I think it's something that we kind of talked about going into the season. Hey, I'm not as hung up on weapons as I am on protection. Just keep them protected. We can still see the growth if guys are dropping balls and the stats aren't there. That's totally fine. You know what I mean? Like you replace Dante Pettis with, I know DJ Moore is a name. Uh, that's getting floated around, you're probably going to have a lot higher odds of of completing that ball. So you get yourself some more talent around this kid and you see how it starts to click before it was like, fuck, man. And I mean, to be honest, if what they're saying about Justin Fields is true and that he does not make the same mistake twice, he probably made every fucking mistake you can in those first four games. So this guy should be just ready to take the fuck off. Um, either way, man. It's yeah. encouraging. It's encouraging to see him get the ball out of his hand on time because that's something that we really haven't seen a ton from him throughout his entire career. Um, yeah, it's it feels like he's finally starting to kind of flip the script. He's doing all the small things right. And, you know, as we said before, you know, it seems like he was struggling with the small things before and it wasn't allowing him to do all the hard things that we all know he can do insanely well. Like he's a guy who has deep throw accuracy. He's a guy who can get in a rhythm and throw on the run. Like, but he was doing so many, of the, the little things, so many of the fundamental things wrong early on that he wasn't able to open up to that. So being able to kind of see what he's doing now with that is it's really promising. You know? Well, and to, to put it into like kind of a going back to basics, man, a side by side, even though, but like, I think you also get to the point where he was getting overcoached, um, whether it was by Nagy or Getsy, but he's probably hearing all these things about his mechanics and this and that. And like, it's always great to practice those things because they're going to become more routine and become a part of your process. But like, it's kind of like when I did sketch comedy, right? You memorize your lines, memorize your lines, memorize your lines. But before you go on stage, 
you just say, fuck it, forget it. Like, because if whatever line that you thought you were going to trip up on, like you could just make it through it, you'll figure it out. Right. And that's kind of what I think Justin was missing from those first four games is saying, fuck it and throw it away. Like, like we saw with the pump fakes and the him resetting his feet two or three different times in the pocket before he was trying to throw, like he was trying to do everything in a Tom Brady, like perfect mechanic sense. And this is the first time he was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to let it fly. And it's like, that's why it's encouraging because I was more worried about his mental psyche than anything. He was just letting his nuts hang out for, for, for the most part, you know? Um, So even in a loss and it's, it's a game that they could have won too, right? Like, and it's not because fields wasn't making plays fields didn't throw a pick down the stretch that, you know, lost them the game. He put the ball in the end zone, got called back on a bullshit penalty. He was driving that team. We had a timeout and we were past the 50. If uh, Smith Marset goes out of bounds, like we had more than enough. And I think they go for two at that point too, because you're on the road, you're facing a division rival. You're less talented. You don't go to overtime at that point. If you score, you probably try to go for two and take the win right there on the road. That's my personal feeling. Um, others might feel differently, but that's just, that's kind of how I feel about it. all the momentum's on your side at that point. So I don't know, but it's a game that could have been won, and the quarterback of the future, hopefully if Ryan Poles isn't kicking shit onto his nuts, like he made the plays that he needed to, to win the game. He was just let down by everyone else around him. And that's okay. Yeah. That's what I expected from this year. Yeah. Those, those are the things you can live with because we came in and I know me and you came in with an extremely realistic mindset that Justin's not getting the best weapons put around him coming into this season where it got really kind of where we kind of got down on Justin for a minute there was he just wasn't showing it regardless of who was out there. You know what I mean? Like if you're hitting guys in the hands and they're dropping those, I'm going to give Justin that every single time. Like he's got a completion. Of my eyes. You know he what I mean? He should have had 17 completions out of 21. In my exactly. Opinion. Like I'm, I'm going to take a look once the season's over, like, and where we kind of rank up as a team when it comes to drops and stuff like that, and kind of take a look at how catchable footballs as far as Justin Fields comes, uh, goes around. But yeah, I mean, kind of moving forward, though, because, I mean, I feel like everything that we need to say about Justin Fields has been said. You know, he looked like a guy who wasn't playing with a ton of baggage. I like kind of the coaching point that you brought up, man. He he was playing like a hungry fucking lion compared to a poorly packed duffel bag, you know, and that's a really nice thing to see. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, do you want to hit this before we get into the Washington game? Because this is a pretty hot topic right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I can give my perspective on it. I don't know if necessarily you're going to agree with it. Uh the question is trade for DJ Moore for the people not watching live. Yeah, so I really like DJ Moore. Um, I've been a fan of him really since he's come into the league. I thought he was a really nice player coming out, um, and I think he would benefit a lot of playing with a guy like Justin Fields. You know, these were the types of guys you saw at Ohio State coming out of the roster and them just kind of finding a way to make that work in the offense and being able to capitalize on A, athleticism, and B, you know, being able to kind of uh, run out of the backfield and be kind of a triple threat as a wide receiver. You know, you know how we brought up kind of Percy Harvin as like a uh, comparison to Bayless Jones. I could see like a DJ Moore being that type of role while still being a bit better of an outside option. With that all being said, I feel like with where Carolina is after firing Matt rule, um, they've put so much money into their current roster right now. And if they are going, it, it's hard to tell where the Panthers are going to go from here. Like, are they going to do a full blown rebuild? Like that's, that's kind of the idea that people have been tossing out there. They if, need to sell off some parts for sure. They really do. But yeah. is, is DJ Moore somebody who they just extended, I think last year or something? I almost think it might've been this year, dude. 
Yeah, I was say they just handed him a three year extension, and even coming into this year, they had like with how quick of a plug they had on Matt Rule, they had an understanding that it could all fall off pretty quick. I don't think you're handing DJ Moore a three year extension if you don't have some sort of intention to try to make that work. And on top of that, there would be there would have to be a lot worked out in a trade, and you'd really have to, they would have to get a haul for him. Because they would have to maneuver the cap because they're the dead money on the DJ Moore contract is just it's disgusting to look at it. I'm being totally honest. Yeah, that can be manipulated, but you have to understand if you're going to make the Panthers manipulate that, they're going to make you give them a haul. And I'm not entirely sure with where the Bears are right now that we need to be handing over a haul for anybody. You know, I that that's just where I'm at. I would much rather take this year on the chin and go draft a wide receiver in the first round next year. Cause I feel like you almost have to, even if we have to trade up to go get a guy that we want in the first round, but like, I'm just not comfortable right now with taking on that big of a contract with being, having to give up as much as I feel like Carolina is going to want for him. I feel like if a trade does happen, it's going to be a team jumping in like, like Buffalo or something like that. And just handing over a fuck ton of draft capital to make it happen. And we're just not a team right now that should be handing over future draft capital with where we're at as a, as a, as a roster and where we're at, you know, just kind of setting up as a franchise moving forward. Yeah. Al threw this in the chat. They extended him this year. It's a three-year extension that actually starts next year, $19 million cap hit for 2023. And I do know that there's some, there are ways to be, to, to rid yourself of that cap. Uh, some of it at least, but they will have to take some form of a hit. So I don't know if it's worth it to them. I was going to say before, I don't know if it's worth it for the bears, but like, man, with how much receivers are going for, like getting him locked in at nine billion, 19 million for, for three years, he's a very good player. I don't know if I want to place him at great. And I think his situation has definitely made it for him to be less productive. Um, but I don't know if the Bears should be taking that risk, you know, especially with the capital and picking up his cap and stuff like that. Like, I just don't know if it's worth it um, personally. Yeah, Buffalo's linked with CMC. I don't know why Devin Singletary finally looks like he did when he was at fucking, I think it was FAU or whatever. Um, but either way, I, I just feel like it's not possible. Something that I floated and something that I think is a lot more possible is Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, you can probably get – legit like a seventh round swap so get your pick back and and move up in the seventh round just to take on his contract because they need to rid of his contract and i don't believe there's a lot of dead money left i think he got a three-year deal right when matt rule came in so unless he was extended um this was year three so like they're they can get rid of that cap and roll that over for next year for whatever whatever's you know i think it's prorated but either way I think Robbie Anderson's a lot more realistic option. And while he doesn't have the upside of DJ Moore, he's definitely a lot more qualified as a wide receiver um, than, than some of the guys that we have on our squad right now. So I think that would be a lot more low risk um, and, and low capital type move that you can, that you can make Justin's situation a little bit better in terms of weapons this year. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I'm a big Robbie Anderson guy, and I really like that you brought it up before. He went to Baylor, um, and then where did he get drafted? Because I know he went to Carolina after. I think, I'm pretty sure he went to Temple, actually. Did he go to Temple? Yeah, he went to Temple. I Either he was drafted late by Buffalo, or he was undrafted, signed by him, and then he ended up going to the Jets, and I believe that's where he started to really pop off. But yeah, no, I've the been- The Jets a, is what I was thinking of. 
I've been a fan of Robbie Robbie Anderson for a while. For him being as athletic as he is, for his size, he just kind of feels like he was created in a lab. Like if he were to put on like 15 pounds in his upper body, like he'd be one of the better fucking deep threats in all football. And he's still a really fucking good deep threat. He did go to um, Temple. Yeah. I mean, I, I I really do like Robbie Anderson. And I feel like if you give the right if you don't give up much to get that, I think that could actually be like a sneaky good pickup. And that could be a pickup where it's like, Hey, Robbie, we know your contract's going to be up here. You know, like how, how you feeling about sticking around for, you know, a year or two to kind of see how this all works out. And that's, that's a nice little deep threat to have. And I feel like you even draft a, a draft a receiver in the first round with that to be able to have like that three headed fucking monster receiver, which would honestly kind of sound pretty beautiful if you ask me with what we're currently seeing. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess without going too nuts into that, because we still got to cover a little bit of the defensive side of the football with the Vikings and uh, the Commanders. I'm, I'm really oh, yeah. glad uh, a lot that you brought that up, though, because that is something that a lot of people are talking about. And a lot of people got really excited about. And honestly, that's something I think you could explore in the offseason. But I feel like with where we're at right now as a football team, I think that's a bit of a tough sell. We need to know who's going to be on this roster next year before we're making that type of move. Ryan Poles' biggest contract was like fucking $4 million. Who are we kidding? Like, they're not kidding <laughs> DJ Moore. Let's... <laughs> Uh, let's yeah, I mean, dude, he's gonna he's gonna trade off assets for like six round picks moving forward. You know what I mean? That's that kind of seems like he his. Oh, uh, there's no doubt he doesn't want to pay a first round contract, so he's gonna trade out of the first and just end up with like seven fucking seconds and three thirds. Let's. That's that's going to be something interesting to talk about because I mean hell that's that doesn't sound terrible. I no, would I actually don't hate, favor, but like I don't hate that at all. But anyway, um. I don't want to do too much of a look ahead, but yeah, the Bears are going to draft where they where I think they are. They're going to end up with a three technique in the first round. Everyone's going to shit a fucking full brick. <laughs> oh my god! It's just like it's just going to happen, dude. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty. God, man, I almost want to see it just to see the reaction of everybody. Because, like, honestly, seeing the reaction from Gordon and Brisker was pretty fucking rich because I was basically calling through throughout the process. It's like either we're going to get a receiver that we want or we're going to use defense on both those picks and everyone's going to freak out. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly but, what happened. But, I mean, Christian Watson only runs in a, fr- in a straight line, so we, I think we dodged both there. But, anyway, somebody who doesn't run in a straight line and is probably the best wide receiver in the entire NFC North and potentially one of the better receivers in all football, Justin Jefferson and Justin Jefferson is a guy who absolutely had his way with our defense, mainly because Jalen Johnson was not in the football game and we are continuing to miss Jalen Johnson on a week to week basis. Luckily moving forward, it looks like Jalen's going to end up playing against the commanders. He's been a full participant practice this week. That's your little uh, injury report update because there's not a whole lot to go off of, but, um, and we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, Lucas, just kind of diving right into this. Um, I don't necessarily agree with how we handle Justin Jefferson. And I don't necessarily agree with using Jalen Jones, I guess, as often as we have early on in this season. There is no reason to have Jalen Jones on Jefferson, Justin Jefferson one-on-one at under any circumstance. Yeah. It just, it was a complete mismatch. And when I see things like that, it really makes me wonder about the personnel choices that we're making. You know, it's kind of similar, you know, and I've beaten my head against the wall with this and that's fine. You know, I'm the Badger fan of the fucking fan base, but like Jack Sanborn's not getting opportunities and we're getting killed in the run game every single week. Like when, when is that going to start adding up? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's more of an interior defense, like interior defense issue. And I think that falls a lot on our front, our 
inside interior uh, defensive line not necessarily living up to uh, expectations early on the season. Another anomaly. Why isn't Travis Gibson starting? Yeah, exactly. Like he's playing and, at so much higher of a level than Muhammad. Yeah, and if and in in honesty, like we got Al Quadi Muhammad with the idea that we were going to be able to stop, like he was going to be our run stopping defensive end, and like we just can't stop the run. So at this point, like we have to just have our best players on the field, you know. And it felt like when we brought Joe Thomas up from the practice squad and basically had him, you know, oh, like jump over Jack Sanborn and start with uh, Matt Adams being out, who Matt Adams, by the way, just landed on the IR, so that's going to be an entire influx of uh, what the hell we're going to do with Sam here next week, but um. It, it just kind of makes you wonder, like, if we're going to continue to have these guys on the field that we're just trying to fit into a role and it's still not working, are we able to kind of accept defeat and be like, hey, we just need our most talented guys on the field and we're going to need to have to go from there, you know, because at a certain point, like our defense isn't bad. I don't like I don't think it's just points per game, but it's not good. I think our pat and well, I'll give our pass offense a little or our pass defense a little bit of credit um, because we've been able to turn the ball over and I feel like Brisker and Jackson have really kind of solidified it back there, even with kind of questionable play from uh, Kyler Gordon and Kendall Vildor at times. Um, and you know, a lap I got to agree with you here. I I've not been a big fan of Nicholas Moreau the past few weeks. I I still am like I think the jury's still out on him. I think he has some time to figure it out, but. I don't think he's necessarily been as good in coverage as we've expected him to be and, and what kind of we need from that middle linebacker role right now. Um, but I do think with how much we're getting gashed in the run game and with how much our interior defensive line is getting just kind of mollywopped, like it hits a point where like we have to start getting creative inside. We can't just stick to our guns and be like, this is our starter. You know, I mean, we see it on the offensive side of the football with, you know, Sam Mustafer, you know, where we're just kind of, really kind of clinching our fists about keeping these guys on the field when there's just this, this we is have a to get fucking creative. anomaly man we I, have to get creative with it you know what i mean like that's that's where my biggest issues with this minnesota game is is it seems like by the time we were trying to get a little creative with what we were doing with personnel it was just a little bit too late you know and with sam adams being out at sam with uh with Jalen Johnson coming back, but like with our understanding of how kind of uh, weak our cornerback depth is now by seeing it like on full display against a guy like Justin Jefferson who went twelve for fi- twelve and fifty uh one fifty four on us, like we need to start having some like honest conversations about who's gonna be on this, who's gonna be our main contributors on defense for the rest of the season. You know, like we have our obvious guys, we have our Roquan Smith. We have our Robert Quinn, which is going to be a deadline name that's going to start coming up here pretty soon if he has fucking any trade value at this point. Um, Travis Gibson is going to be a guy that's going to need to be on the field, as you brought up earlier, Lucas. Um, Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor, and like, don't get me wrong, Kendall Vildor had a pretty good game and got that interception, which, hey, congratulations. He's been playing a lot better. Yes, yes. It's it's a step in the right direction, but is that something you want to continue to live and die with? You know what I mean? Like it's these are questions you need to start asking yourself. Like, because while we've seen positive positive performances from even guys like Joe Thomas when they were brought up immediately, we've seen kind of them come back down to earth at some point, and we can't continue to have that happen if we want to be able to uh continue to build a accountable culture on defense. I guess is kind of the biggest point I'm trying to make. Well, here. yeah, and I mean, here's the thing, like you're not really tied in to too many guys as starters. Like no one on that front four other than Quinn is being paid like a true starter. Right. So like if, 
and and I actually am surprised by this, but Justin Jones has six tackles for loss. I think the leader in the NFL has eight. So like he's right up there, but I feel like our interior defense has been getting destroyed. Like Pennell is still getting out there somehow or some way. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I just feel like you're at the point where you're in a retooling year at the least, right? More like a full-blown fucking rebuild. Like no one spot should be guaranteed. Even the guys that are getting paid really well. Um, I just feel like you need to to create sparks, kind of like how Joe Thomas comes up from the practice squad. He's probably fucking completely amped, full of Eber fuel, like going to have a good first game because he wants to try to make a name for himself in this league. And then defenses see what he is and they're like, yeah, this is how we can attack him. This is why he was on the practice squad, right? Like, so keep fucking rotating that spark. Like no one ha- should have a guaranteed starting spot on this defense. Um Really, other than Bojax, the only one, because Roquan hasn't been playing well. He's been playing good, but he hasn't been playing up to his standard. Um, and he even talked about it. So no one no one is playing at an elite level, in my opinion, other than Eddie Jackson on the on really the whole fucking team um, consistently. So Mooney, Mooney plays really well, too. And Dave Montgomery is a complete fucking dog. But no, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Like, if these guys aren't working out well, rotate them. I don't care what attachment you have to them because you played with them or, you know, you coach them with the Colts. Like Travis Gibson is clearly raising the level of play of everyone around him when he's in good things happen. He is one of our plus players. You do not wrote like, I know that you're a heavy rotational type team, but Muhammad was getting the lion's share of the snap for the first four games. I, I haven't seen the snap counts of this last game, but let's get him in more. Let's let him start and give him that 60, 40 split instead of Muhammad. That's just, you know, that's just how I feel. I feel like you got so many young guys and so many unproven players. You fucking claim seven guys off waivers. You had eight, eight or nine draft picks make the fucking initial 53 man roster. Like there should be no one with a guaranteed spot on this team. Absolutely no one. And if you're not playing well, you should be fucking pulled and try something else out. And if you learn that, Hey, this is worse then go back to the other guy. It's not like you're going to lose much. Yeah, no doubt. So, Travis Gibson and Alquani Muhammad had a near identical snap count last week. It was 46 for Travis, which accounted for 58 of the defensive plays. And it was Alquani Muhammad, which this website just updated for no fucking reason, um, had 44 for 56%. So it seems like they're starting to get around to Travis getting more of the heavier, heavier load. And Iberflus has talked about this in the past, but like, I, I it needs to be to the point where anything on second and third down, it needs to be Travis Gibson out there. And I said this last week, like Al Quadi Muhammad, I can live with on first down because of his, you know, proficiency. He's not playing well though. He's, He's not. not. And, and Dominique Robinson's playing better than him too. And Dominique yeah. Robinson's playing better than Robert Quinn currently. And it's it still kind of baffles me that you have a guy like Robert Quinn that has had, if you look at his statistics, yo is his statistics are like a yo-yo. He'll have a year where he goes off. Then he has a year where he cools down and then he goes off again and then he cools down. The idea of not trading Quinn at his highest value is still mind boggling to me how you decided, like I get the whole cap implications and all that stuff, but like, I just would rather have Khalil Mack this year. You you are preaching to the choir, my friend. I just, for a fact, Lucas, I was beating my head against the wall, screaming this. And like, I understood the Mack trade, but Mac without Quinn made no fucking sense to me. Maybe there wasn't a market out there. 
you know, but I would, I, I, I refuse to believe that after a guy just had 19 and a half sacks. So yeah, dude, that, that, that would blow me away. Honestly. Like I understand, like I, maybe I oversold Robert Quinn's fucking market when we were talking about it in the off season. It was always like, a sixth, dude. It was always okay, well, a sixth. I don't know. Oh my God. Now we fucking, I would kill I for a sixth at this point. I don't even want to crack me at this point. I still <laughs> feel like you could have got at least a fifth round fucking pick. Like, the guy just broke your team's sack record and teams wanted pass rushers. Teams always want pass rushers. If we're being dude, totally Buffalo like, paid Von Miller. Like it was 2011. Exactly. Like, they dude, paid like, him. Like he was just entering his prime. Like somebody would have got a little bit froggy and been like, Hey, we have Robert Quinn here. We're, we want a fourth or fifth round pick. Like whoever gives us the better offer gets him. You know what I mean? Like he shouldn't have never broke camp with us. If we're being totally honest, like it felt weird. When I when, like when we went to training camp, we it saw Robert like, went on the field. Like it was weird. It felt like know? it was something that was like we've been waiting for it to happen. And maybe it doesn't, but it does seem like a deadline type name. Probably. And this and and this isn't like a detriment to how I like how we feel about Robert Quinn. I do want to clear that up because everyone on Bears Twitter gets offended when you you complain about anybody. But um, like it's it's just an it's just an understanding where we are as a team and understanding of wanting to get younger and everything like that like it just made too much sense to trade him you know well and he's older than fucking mac we kept the older guy and we and we kept the guy and i talked with my buddy at work about this huge bears fan like uh west if you listen to this here's your shout out buddy here's your shout out of the week or one of the better uh one of the better chicago guys that i know um he brought it up and i it's it's impossible to argue with like you can look at the numbers all you want. You could look at how many games that uh, Cleo Mack played last year compared to Robert Quinn. If we're just talking about a talent standpoint, who's the better football player? It's not even close. That's what I mean. Like, and that's, that's where you have to look like if you're bringing a guy back and you're going to have to kind of accept defeat on a trade value with either of them. And you look at the guy who's more talented, whose trade value is at an all time low. And you look at the guy who's not as, is maybe a bit more of a one trick pony in pass rushing, whose trade value is about as high as it's ever going to be for the rest of his career. You have to kind of, you have to understand the values and just make that trade. Like I loved, I love the fact that we got Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, like, and people look at that pick as the Jaquan Brisker pick more than anything. But like, you could still find a way to make that happen and manipulate the fucking what you have on you your. You could have gotten them both. You could have traded down a few picks, and I guarantee you would have been able to get both of them. Yeah, like um, they're both fallen. There was there was a way to go about that. Yeah, because everybody started uh, panicking and drafting wide receivers, which happens every single year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, people are gonna call us like freaking every name in the book because we dare question King Poles. But um, yeah, like it just you go with the talented guy. You you do because it feels like Khalil Mack going back to a four three defense. Like it's not like it's four and two. And we literally turned him into a three four linebacker when we traded for him because he was always a four three defensive well, end. Or and even he was linebacker with the Raiders. Like, he was no risk, dude. Like like holding on to Robert Quinn was a risk because his value could significantly take a dip with where Khalil Mack was getting paid, with what edge rushers are getting paid, like us eating the dead money, um, even if Mac has a down season, he still is going to get you a second rounder next year. You know what I mean? Like, so to me, in terms of the value, uh, uh, you keeping value with the trade, like keeping one of those players, like what's it called? Uh, Robert Quinn was way more high risk than Khalil Mack. But like you said, the you know, the 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 the, the page has already been turned on that, but well, it didn't dude, make a ton of sense to me. 
Well, dude, and and we'll we'll move on from this point here in a second. But like, I I guess the biggest the biggest thing I would compare it to is like think of like Justin Houston, like when he was leaving Kansas City, everybody thought he was toast, you know that type of thing. And he just has kind of proved that talent talent trumps all, you know. And he's still shown that he is still an effective player in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like he went to Indianapolis and he proved that like, hey, I still have a lot left in the tank. And you're gonna see Cleo Mack be that guy, even if even if he ends up leaving San Diego at some point or. LA at some point like you're gonna see like he's still a guy who's gonna make a a long career in this league just based on how freaking talented he is. well and just with the attention that he was getting uh, regularly like he makes everyone on the defensive line better the running game would have ultimately been 100 times better you don't have to sign Quinn Muhammad you end up getting the third round pick um for Allen Robinson because you don't have to have to fucking um you know lose the comp pick or whatever for picking up Jones and Muhammad. So there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. Um, yeah, exactly. Ryan pulls philosophy, buy high, sell low. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, that's all I got. That's all I got in terms of the yeah. defense. Like there was some bad, they, they just got a fucking tackle battle. And then they got a rare rally around the ball there. When you see, you didn't see a ton of, plays were like with the 2006 bears or the 2008 bears with that lovey smith you know rod marinelli hits principle like if you saw a guy break one tackle they were maybe getting one two more yards and then they were getting swarmed like you don't see that it it shouldn't be one guy left on an island for when if someone that is paid a lot of money to make people miss fucking in the open field when when they miss and no one else is around there to support like that's that's not a good thing so definitely got to get better i'm sure everyone gets loaves every week but what the fuck does that mean if they're not correcting it it's 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 been a a common theme through the first five weeks and they are keeping points off the board um in terms of point like they haven't had one of those games where they let up 45 points you know it's not like a ravens defense or anything like that they're not terrible um but i expected more from them especially with Eberflus kind of overseeing everything yeah and um i guess i guess the kind of uh encapsulate this whole point and then we can get a little bit into the commanders game um i i i will say it seems like in the second half that hits that hits principle kind of comes into effect a little bit more i did notice on some plays that they were finishing to the football a lot more it it doesn't happen early on though and that's a problem like you know as Olap said in the chat a little bit earlier like guys need to drink their eber fuel 90 minutes before the game instead at fucking halftime like mike mike can't be going to his secret stuff you know, in the second half, he needs to be hitting that shit every single quarter on the sidelines, you know, but um, I, I do think that's something that we just, we need to be able to see a complete four quarters of, of football. And we just have not seen that yet, even in the wins, like that's something that's going to continue to be the narrative surrounding around Matt Eberflus. But I do like his more aggressive approach. It felt more like on both the offensive and defensive side of the football that Matt Eberflus had a little bit more influence in this game. He finally kind of took the reins as a head coach a little bit more. And like, it, it felt like when we were making aggressive decisions, it was, it, they had, it felt like it had Matt Eberflus written all over. You know what I mean? It was situations like going for that two point conversion, which I don't, I don't know if I necessarily love going for it right there. But I mean, you you live with it. I hated the play call. I guess was more of what I'm trying to say. If it works, I love it because it didn't work. You know, whatever. And then you know, honestly, it didn't work. 
But the onside kick, I I really like that with where we were with the momentum. Fuck and, yeah, dude. And I really like, I really feel like that is how you get your defense juiced up because by making a fucking decision like that, you're telling everyone on your starting eleven defense, hey, I trust you. Don't make me regret this. Go so make a fucking play. Yeah, they're out there and they're fucking flying around and making plays. And I do also want to make a point. I don't know if you noticed this, Lucas, but in the second half, um seemed like Eberflus when we were on defense had his notepad and he was covering his mouth quite a bit makes you kind of wonder if he was starting to get a little bit more into the conversation on the defensive side of the football I feel like that's something we've kind of seen coming but um it seemed like he was starting to be a little bit more involved in play calling on the defense now I could be completely wrong about that but it looked like he was starting to uh it was something I haven't seen in the first few games that I saw more in this game in the second half of Eberflus kind of having his notepad out, which he always kind of writes on his notepad, but on the defensive side of the football, it seemed like he was starting to make a little bit a little bit more either getting an Allen Williams ear about what he wants him to do or he was just flat out making calls. But that's something I feel like we're going to see next uh, this upcoming Thursday and see kind of uh, how much he really has to say on defense right now. Yeah, and I mean, I don't see it being – unrealistic like the guy's used to running extremely good defenses and his defense is not playing well so if he can fix it please do right like if that's what it takes for you to be a little bit more vocal and call plays a little bit more down the stretch I'm totally okay with that um but I definitely I prefer the CEO type head coach you know I don't want him to get too involved in the defense because then then you got a whole different bag of worms to to un you know, to pack or unpack or however the fuck that sailing go- saying there, goes. There's worms. Even- there's worms. There's worms and you put them on a hook and you try to get fish with them. That's all I know. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. I just uh, – defensively, they have to be better. They have to be better. And they have more horses on defense than they do on offense for sure. So they have to be better. Um, but, no, I do, I do think the aggressiveness is huge. And to be honest, it puts the defense under pressure. And you kind of see what you have a little bit more. We need to see what, what people are under pressure to see if they're going to be at this part of this team next year in 2024 and 2025, right? Like, it was almost a bless- blessing in disguise that the defense got fucking waxed right away because we had to be aggressive on offense at that point had to be there like so we got to see a lot of growth from Justin Fields because of that if that's a a three-point game the entire time for all you know Justin Fields has 13 attempts so could be a blessing in the spot in disguise down the stretch there yeah no doubt um and I guess before we get into the commanders game here it's something I forgot to bring up when on offense and this subtle flex I did miss on my bowl prediction this week but Damn, was I close with Cole Komet. Cole Komet finally got, got it going a little bit. Cole Komet looked good. I mean, Darnell Mooney looked good. Like, that's, uh, again, highlight the skill. It's something we've been hearing for a while. Like, you have two guys that can actually catch passes in the NFL that prove that they've they've done it um, in previous in the previous year. So, let's, right. let's milk those fucking guys for everything they're worth until defenses pay so much attention to them that guys like fucking – Amir Smith, whatever is, is fucking shrieking down the field. You don't have to worry about him getting stripped. I mean, that's the thing, right? You don't get out of bounds. I'm sorry to go back to it, but you don't get out of bounds. That's your first mistake. That's fine. But then you have a dude come and snatch the ball from you. Like it's his big brother being like, Hey, I'm going to play with my friends. Now give me that back. Like that was fucking bad. I'm surprised he's still on the team to be honest. And I'm not like someone that calls for people to get cut. And I don't want this like, I have no ill feelings towards this kid. Like I'm sure he's hurt enough 
a lot of people are fucking weirdos on the internet and they probably DM'd him and said all kinds of crazy shit to him. I'm not going to take it that far, but just for where he was at and him getting brought, I think he got brought on like a week or two before after um, Byron Pringle went on IR. Right. So like, I don't even think he was a part of this roster to start the year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if I am sorry, like I'm um, usually I, way on top of this, but I'm the, the way the roster has been churned, like either way, you're, you're all the way down the totem pole. Like you can find guys like that right now on the street. I'm just surprised um, that the bears didn't send a message with uh, maybe, maybe they want to be a little bit more pro- player friendly. I'm not sure, but that's, that was gross, man. That was a well, really you know, bad series of events there. Yeah. You know, and I don't want to excuse anything he did because honestly, dude, it was pretty wild to see a live cucking on an NFL field. It was live, but like, but like it's, it's so crazy to me that he was on the field in that situation in the first place. And I feel like that has to fall a little bit on what Luke Getzi's doing. You know what I mean? Like, and I gave Luke Getzi a lot of credit on the beginning of the show, but like, why, why is he on the field, dude? Like you have options. Like, I'm not saying that's you have on polls, dude. Like, well, to be honest, that's, that's on fucking polls, to be right. honest, you're because right. why is he right. even rostered currently? You know? You're right. I, I do agree with that. That's that. Man, I could go on right. If you're only able to have fucking five or six receivers elevated and two of your guys are injured and that's who you got to pick from. Valus Jones, man. Yes. And we didn't even cover like Valus Jones's touchdown, his anytime touchdown prop, which I literally tucked my sack. I had it in a parlay and took it out and fucking put it in for Cole Komet because I'm like, there's no way. Um, Of course, that was plus twenty seven hundred, dude. That's one hundred dollars to win twenty seven hundred dollars. There's a very rich man. Um, and hopefully it's Valus Jones Sr., to be honest. Hopefully he put that prop down. But either <laughs> well, way, man, once one target, one offensive snap, one touchdown. Let's uh you, you drafted a fucking wide receiver in the third round. I understand he had to start slow. He had a hamstring injury, rough outing in his first week, but let's let's incorporate this fucking guy in the offense a little bit, huh? Like let's try that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's somebody that I mean, the first week he was back. I definitely understand that argument of wanting to get him kind of worked in. But uh, this past week with how just we're so depleted at receiver, Dante Pettis can't catch anything like Dante Pettis. I guarantee just seeing Justin Fields like disappointment on his face from that Dante Pettis (laughs) drop. Like there's no shot he's going to start. He's going to be getting those opportunities. It was contested. I won't say it's not like he just dropped it, but (sighs) You expect a receiver to win that battle. I mean, more than it's half. It's kind. It's kind of like the argument of like Justin throwing a little bit behind a receiver, but it's still being very catchable and them dropping it. Like you're gonna have those guys that are being like, "Whoa, the throw wasn't there." It's like, "Oh, NFL receiver." If that was to Darnell Mooney, I would be a lot more disappointed. Or like Allen Robinson last year, I'd be a lot more disappointed. To Dante Pettis, again, I kind of turned my focus towards Ryan Poles. Yeah, no doubt. But, um, yeah, I feel like we've kind of covered the Vikings game, man. I feel like we've kind of gotten all the takeaways. And honestly, like, like my buddy, my buddy Caleb on Facebook, I'm glad you popped in, buddy. Um, he said this team's getting tougher and tougher to watch. I, I got to be the flip side, man. This I disagree. This team's starting to get a, starting to get a little bit of juice. Like, a little juice, thought, yep. 
Everybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm sure they were fucking like sick, uh, sick to death about me tweeting about juice on Sunday. But like, it felt like as the game just kept on, dude, that juice just kept on brewing. It's the like Eber, the Eber fuel was like fucking getting boiled in a pan of fucking au jus. And like, it just felt like we were starting to really get something going. And like, I really hope that this is just a pop off game, man. And Honestly, you look at the Washington Commanders, the season they're having so far, like, bro, how are you one and four in the NFC East? Like, that's that's a tough look. Like, and I know the, the NFC, NFC East, East is better this year, to be honest. Yes, yeah, I, I know. There's no doubting that. I don't I think the that. NFC East is a better division than the NFC North, to be honest. But I think a lot of that has to do with Carson Wentz being I think a lot of that has Carson to do with Wentz. The Detroit Lions being the Detroit Lions as well. One thing I, I Will say though, we I feel like we've gotten to the Peter Bukaki, Dexter Williams level of juice with this team, to be honest. And I tell you, dude, there's something there. I'm not I'm not going all the way there. And I even I even tweeted about it. It's like, dude, eight and nine. I'm still like I'm ready to get eight and nine tattooed on my forehead because I still feel like that's where this game is. I had them going two and three through the first five games. I had them going on a win streak starting now. So let's fucking get that going. Let's rattle off two or three. Like let's get back to three and three. Um, against the Washington Commanders, and let's let, let's have a, a mini buy, and then go take it to the Patriots. Like, let's fucking do this. Yeah, let's get let's get the juice, baby. And you know, as as I was saying, like this is the team to do it against. Like, you look at what Washington is doing on offense. You see, like how much they're allowing on defense, and it's it's kind of crazy considering you know it's a Ron Rivera defense, but like they're allowing so much through the air right now because they're having issues getting to the quarterback. And, you know, outside of their passing game, which Carson Wentz, say what you want about him. He's he's Carson Wentz, as we said a little bit earlier on the show, like and he's always going to be. But like he's a guy who can who just is a yardage. He's he's a yardage fiend. He will always get you yards through the air. But what he does with that is he just never capitalizes. And that's where you have to be able to capitalize on the other side of the football. Um, you need to be able to bait him in the throws. You need to be able to get pressure on him. Like forcing Carson Wentz out of the pocket is honestly one of the more ideal situations, which is crazy when you consider where he started off his career as kind of like that dual threat type quarterback. But um, dude, he looks like we- an overgrown leprechaun that got cast off by the leprechaun family. Like they dude, don't let him yeah. in anymore just because he's been smoking meth. His body just doesn't make sense. Like what's what's that meme that's going around? It's uh. Oh, that freaking singer know. or whatever. He's just oh, talking yeah. about like how your body is just like obscene. Like <laughs> my my lord, my god, your body is obscene. But like that's that's what I think of like of Carson Wentz. Like he's just such a weirdly proportioned guy. I'm not saying he's a poorly packed duffel bag, poorly packed duffel bag, but I'm saying like there's he's weirdly proportioned and like he just doesn't look natural at any point on the field. Like he is just the most Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz of all time. Adam Levine, that's 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 the fucking meme I'm thinking of, dude. That's oh, Adam. <laughs> oh, that's right. Is like, that? Re- I hope that's real. Yeah, no, like it, it has to be. I mean, I I need a picture of the the PFT uh, Carson Wentz in the Letterman's jacket with that uh, Adam Levine meme. Like, dude, the pop- the Carson Wentz in the Letterman's jacket <laughs> is the worst photo shoot I've ever seen done, dude. It's the best. <laughs> Oh my god, he's gonna throw for like four hundred and three touchdowns against us. Isn't oh he? my gosh! Like now that we're talking about it like this, but like, dude, you know Dan Schneider was so responsible for that photo shoot. Like he probably handed him his Letterman's jacket, and he's like, sent a couple. Emails. I believe in you, Carson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely sent him some butterfly kisses. But um, anyway, um, 
Yeah, like I was saying, dude, like this is definitely the team to get it going against. Like they're not able to run the football at all, which benefits us as a team that has been just absolutely drowning at being able to stop the run. Um, Terry McLaurin is going to be the matchup. And luckily we have a Jalen Johnson who is a full participant at practice all week. So you have to believe in his first game back playing at Soldier Field on Thursday night football. He's going to be juiced up because he's a guy, if you know anything about Jalen Johnson, who does not enjoy not being on the football field. So that's going to be a really cool matchup to watch. And, um, you know, you kind of look at the other side of that and he's like, well, Duke, you have to worry about Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson is currently sitting at questionable this week, and that bodes insanely well for us because if Jahan Dotson were to not play, it's going to be the Carson Wentz-Terry McLaurin show, and that could easily turn into Eddie Jackson-Jalen Johnson show. So that's that's something that's going to bode really well. Um, and, you know, as I say every single week, you know, and it's something we didn't see until the second half of last week's game, like we have to get pressure at the quarterback position. You know, the only re- the only way the 4-3 cover 2 or Tampa 2 defense works is if your front four is getting to the quarterback. You know, like we've we've beaten this to death. Years where we couldn't get to the quarterback, that's where the secondary gets picked apart, you know, even in the Lovey Smith days. Like being able to get to the quarterback is number 1 A1 like not having to blitz a linebacker, being able to have everybody in the right position and being able to force uh, Carson Wentz to try to make a make a play instead of taking a sack is where this defense gets their juice. Well, and, and don't forget we'll... their offensive line is headlined by our old friend Charles Leno Jr. And hopefully Jenny Leno doesn't hear this, but as someone actually who never wanted to pile onto Leno because I didn't think he was good, but I didn't think he was as horrible people made him out to be, especially for what he was getting paid. Um, he was just left on an island far too much, but. Um, Robert Quinn better have his fucking way with Charles Leno. Like, let's be real. Like, we need every other team has been able to get a pass rush on Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been turning the ball over. Like, they they have been playing very sloppy football. And as someone who was a huge fan of Ron Rivera and wanted him a long time ago, like, it does seem that the game may have passed him by a little bit. Um well, our, our boy, our boy, Ron Rivera, actually, I thought it was really interesting. His comments that he made about Carson Wentz. This oh, week. he was just like, our quarterback sucks cock. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically like, uh, he got asked, like, what's the difference between you and the other teams, the NFC North? Like what or are NFC East? Yeah. What are the, or yeah. What are the other teams, the NFC East doing well that you're not? And he brought up the quarterback position almost immediately. That like, was all he said. He was like quarterback. What's the difference between you and those teams? He was like that's, quarterback. <laughs> And that's quite the take, man. And it, it reeks of a team that has disconnect from their front office to their coaching staff. So, you know, that's that's something we all have to capitalize on. Like, I don't care if people want to look at this after we win and be like, oh, well, we beat Washington. It's like, no, well, I don't care, dude. It's a dub. It's get, going to get this team moving in the right direction. And this, uh, this is a defense that we can capitalize on. We can run the football on this defense. Like, they have some killers up front, no doubt, but their linebacker core is insanely limited. Their secondary is just kind of a cast off. You know, it's a, it's an island of misfit toys at this point. You know, we have Rashad wild goose who UW Madison, that's my, one of my boys. Like I love me some Rashad wild goose in in college, but like, come on, man. I don't know if he should be starting as an outside corner in the NFL. That's an elite last name. Oh dude. It's, it's incredible. Like it's, it's just kind of wild how we, how we get some of those guys in Wisconsin that just have the most like fullback last names of all time. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's true. That's so great. It's true. Yeah. Uh, 
And then you have like Bob, you have Bobby McCain starting at safety. You have Kendall Fuller, who is by far their best secondary guy. And even Fuller's then, a good player. He's just, but he's just not the player he was. You no, know what I mean? No. Like he's like from that first stint when he was in Washington originally to getting traded to Kansas City. Like he was, those are, he was playing at an extremely high level in KC. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And even in his first tenure, tenure in Washington, like he looked like a, a potential star in the making. But it's just, it's he's starting to hit the twilight end of his career right now, and it's just he's just stuck on a team that does doesn't have a lot of talent in the secondary, so he has to make up for a lot. Um, and like I said, dude, they're 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 inside interior linebackers, just or even their outside linebackers too. Like they just don't instill fear in me. Like Jamin Davis, Cole Holcomb. John Bostic has a chance to start a weak side linebacker for Washington this week. Doesn't matter, Spag. He said, if you look on ESPN, Ron Rivera took it back. He apologized to Wentz. Doesn't fucking matter. It still was he, said. He Carson said what Wentz he is the face of every meme on the planet right now, and he's fucking draped all over Twitter with that Letterman's jacket looking like a cracked out fucking leprechaun that just Dude. overgrew. I honestly like. I want PFT to listen to this podcast just to hear how much we're just shitting on the Letterman jacket because, like, I don't know if anybody got the Letterman jacket as a fan quicker than he did. So the Letterman's jacket is. I actually I do like a good Letterman's jacket. There's a Bears one that's fucking sick, but it's like two fifty, so there's no way I'm buying it. Yeah, um, no, that's actually uh, it's actually a good website that I know what you're referring to. I don't want to name them yet, but uh. Could be something down down the line for the barely there podcast, you know. Hopefully, know. yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But I um, no, I will say like there is the, there is a small fear though that like which Carson Wentz are we getting because it is kind of like the magic eight ball when you shake that bitch you don't know which Carson Wentz is coming. But there are times where he looks elite as fuck. Like I'm just hoping this isn't one of those games. Yes, the one Ashton Kutcher wears sometimes it's fucking dope. Um. Yeah, that Letterman's jacket. But I think it all comes down to kind of this is another another game where I think we could see Justin Fields take another big step in his progress. They do have some some hogs on that that front line, um, and they can get off to, after the quarterback a little bit, but they're limited in a lot of other places. So we need to just kind of take really just take care of Chase Young and make sure that he doesn't completely fuck our team up and our offensive line. And then I think Justin Fields is going to be able to really make some, some strides here. Um, and it's a lot more soft zone. I mean, he, Ron Rivera likes to run that in the cover two, too. So you're going to have underneath shit. And Justin Fields did a really good job of taking the underneath shit last week. So uh, Chase Young is actually not even on the roster right now. Cause he's currently uh, dealing did he go with to IR. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's something we don't have to worry about. Bears um, by a thousand. I will say though, I, uh, Jonathan Allen has to be probably one of my favorite interior defensive linemen in all he's football. He's a monster. And he is, he is, dude. He's just disgusting. He has been since day one. He's a guy who can kill you in both run defense and pass rush. Um, if he gets lined up, if if he lines up over Sam Muster at any point, like it's GG, Justin Fields is going to have to roll out somewhere because Musty's just going to get freaking a football stuffed up his anus and it's not going to be by himself. Like it's going to be by Jonathan Allen. Oh, yeah. He tore his ACL against – um. Okay, I think it, I think it might have been the preseason actually against Tampa Bay. I was no, wondering no, why no. they they were struggling so much up front. Now it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sorry, I haven't I haven't brushed up on my Washington Commanders all twenty two at all this year. No, you're good. Uh, Lap actually just brought a great brought up a great point because that's what I was going to bring up next is uh, Montez Sweat though he is actually a dog so that's someone that we do have to account. Uh, they got a for. good D line. 
But, um, you know, regardless of where they're going to mix him up, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up putting Sweat outside on Borum just because it feels like that might be the better matchup uh, as far as pass, pass blocking goes right now. But um, it's going to be a good test. I feel like they're going to get him moving around. And I think that's actually what they've been using, how they've been using him. Like, uh, they do like James Smith-Williams, and they have uh, been mixing him, Chicago-Tony as well. But it seems that like year, they good. almost upset Tampa in the wild card game. Um they had, I think it was Jonathan Allen, Sweat, Kerrigan, and Chase Young as their D-line. That's the only reason why they were fucking somewhat competitive that year. Um, and then it's kind of broken apart a little bit with injuries and Kerrigan, you know, being past his prime. And then I think he went somewhere else as well. But Yeah, Deron Payne's also a dog. Honestly, if... They drafted defensive linemen like five years straight, dude. Like, yeah, they should if, have a very good defensive line. If Washington were to blow it up, honestly... Deron Payne or Jonathan Allen would be beautiful acquisitions for the Chicago Bears. That would that would uh, oh that would do so much for our interior defensive line. That's something to talk about at a later date. But holy hell, that sounds beautiful. I don't know any any other points you have uh, as far as just like the depth chart. I mean, there is uh... no no. I will say that the Bears are favored by one point, I believe, at home, which is essentially a rat line. Um, and I think the Bears are are in a better place than the commanders are right now. The commanders deal with a scandal every single year. Um, just had the head coach talking about how his quarterback's dog shit to the media and then rescinding that comment. So I, I think realistically, this is a game that the Chicago bears should win. Like this is one of the few that I think the bears should win this game. Um, just, yeah, no, I, that's another question. Like is Mustafa starting? I don't know. I don't know. My guess is yes, but like, can, I feel like just figure feel something like else out. We're forever cursed by Sam Mustafer. I just feel like we're never going to go like, get someone off someone else's practice squad. You know, like go, go do, go do something like that. Like make a there, change. There are so many guys on practice squads and I made a list of it last week that have played significant NFL action or were like guys that should have been drafted. Like Alex Lindstrom. I don't understand why we have just not even taken a fucking waiver on him. Like, even if you don't want to start him, we are so we are drowning at the center position, especially with Cody Whitehair going out and Lucas Patrick being forced to play at guard, which guess what? We signed Lucas Patrick to be a center, has not played a single snap at center yet this year. So, like, we need to start like King Poles man. on our boy again. Ryan Poles. You know what I mean? Like, why are like Mr. Fucking sneaky pickups, Mr. Again. Undrafted free agent offensive lineman? Like, there are guys sitting out there that would probably be better than the current center we have like why not at least bring them into camp and let them snap footballs like i even said it fucking i think it was two weeks ago like god damn i, I take patrick scales at center at this point like good lord at least he knows a cadence he can look I'm at a fucking sure patrick scales fucked somebody up in the last two weeks on a, a punt coverage or something like that he was right down there on the uh the the muffed punt against um the Giants. oh that's what it was he recovered the muff pump I believe. Yeah, he was. He's he's right down there. He's a guy, dude. He's a football player, man. You talk about a fullback, tight end, like fucking guy. That's that's Pat Scales. I'm I mean, like, yeah, he's a long snapper as a career long. That's what people forget, like about kickers that go to make tackles and shit. Like, sure, they're not NFL caliber athletes, but they played a position throughout all of high school, um, and then probably did like a little bit of backing up here and there. Um, at, at some colleges, definitely not the big programs, but you know what I mean? Like our fucking kicker was a, a linebacker in, in high school. So like these guys did play some football in their life. That's not, they, they didn't just go to punt kicking 
and fucking whatever punt kick and toss camps or whatever those are. Punt pass and kick. Punt pass and kick. Yeah, yeah, you know what I was saying. <laughs> punt run and toss. He says. No, I said punt. I said punt kick and toss. I think oh, is what okay. I said. All right. Yeah. You're a jag off either way. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, I, I do think a lot brings up a good point here. New commander scandal. Wentz is not actually quarterback. But um, all right. So we are kind of starting to run to the grind of it. Um, Before we get to bold bold takes and uh, bold, uh, score predictions, I do want to bring up a point really, really quick about what we could potentially do on offense that could really make this be the Justin Fields game. And that is the return of Nikhil Harry. And that could also mean a bigger role for Valus Jones as he finally enters his third game in the NFL. Like, do we see more Valus Jones? Do we see that offensive snap count go up a little bit, especially with what happened with Smith Merced in the last game? Like, is this a situation where we start kind of mixing it up with the best, the, the most honestly, in all, all honesty, the most talented guys on the field? Like, what do we see out of Nikhil Harry? Like, do we see a bigger, like, do we see a decent snap count out of him? Do we see a limited snap count? Like, I still feel like he has a ways to go before he's going to start taking snaps away from uh, uh, Ectomarius. Well, like, and that's the thing, though. I feel like we haven't seen a lot. And I know everyone calls him EQ. It's ESB. I don't give a fuck. You I don't even I mean? care. I don't even care what he says. It's ESB. I'll that's the same that thing team. that happened. Remember what happened when o, uh, ODB went to OBJ? His fucking career went off the wagon, dude. Like <laughs> off the fucking wagon. When he, when everyone called him ODB, he's like, no, that's old dirty bastard. Like that's when he was making those crazy catches. So I know he had a great year last year. And honestly, for someone that's not a huge Odell fan, I would, I would take him this year uh, for sure. If he wanted to come to the fucking Bears, I would grab him in a second. No but, idea what he'd want to do here, but hey, I would, I wouldn't complain. No, I think realistically, we're at the point where like. Yeah, we just need to get the best athletes out there. Like, if if it's not Darnell Mooney or Cole Komet, just give me whoever has the best RAS scores at this point and just have him fucking run goes and just let Justin throw it up. Um, and that's another thing, too. Harry's six foot four. I like – I and I and I think we've gone away from ESB a little bit. and We've let Pettis kind of get more involved. Like, no, like – that's why I'd like to see, like, it run through Mooney and Komet and then – ESB is getting some of those targets, but then you sprinkle in some Harry. Like that jump ball was perfect for Harry. I think Harry catches that over a guy like Pettis. That's what Harry did in college. That's what he specializes in, what he didn't get an opportunity to do um, in New England. So, yeah, man, I have high hopes, like inserting some talent, right? Like we were down two receivers that we anticipated getting some legitimate snap counts um, from the start of the year. So maybe we do have a little bit of an insert of talent. There's no name brand um, people coming in, but fuck man it's it's better than than what we had i mean dude we were looking forward to tajay sharp and david moore like and when those two guys went out we were like what the fuck like, what do we do like listen i i know it may might not sound good in hindsight with where how damp down bad we were at wide receiver but i am still under the impression that if david moore got on this roster we would have seen some pretty decent i like that. david moore i like that signing a lot more than i like the pettis and pettis i think was just surprising but now he's come back to what he's cool. been in his career I mean, and I feel it felt like, in all honesty, when we signed Pettis, that that was going to be something for the punt, punt and kick return uh, competition. But obviously, we've seen Valus just basically completely take over that role. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess we are getting a little bit tight. Uh, last defensive point, uh, give give my boy Jack Sanborn some snaps at fucking Sam already. Like, please, please I don't even care. Try it. Just something, you know what I mean? Like, even if you want to give Nicholas Moreau a breather and try him at middle too, you know what I mean? Just just give me something because he didn't look bad in pass coverage in, in the preseason. I'm not saying that's going to translate to the regular season, but like, 
what what do we have to lose at this point? Especially like with a team like Washington, this is a team where you kind of mess around with something like that, and then you go with your big boys against a freaking a legitimate team. Well, you probably got a lot of short turnarounds. So you got a lot more guys banged up. So yeah, let these other guys that haven't been getting a lot of minutes get some get some snaps now. Yeah, exactly. It can't hurt. Especially if especially if God forbid we were to take an early lead and actually kind of coast. You know what I mean? Like God forbid we actually be able to see some a little bit of our depth without worrying that they're going to get their dicks blown off, you know. But um all right, so moving forward because we are running a little bit short on time. Um yes, let Sanborn play at center. I believe that would 100% Fun fact, 100% important. of uh, high school middle linebackers also play center. And I mean, dude, he comes from Wisconsin, so he's got to be able to block. There's just zero doubt about that. Um, but anyway, bold prediction. What do you got, Lucas? Bold prediction. Um, my bold prediction is that Robert Quinn gets two and a half sacks this week. Ooh, all right. I like that. I like that. Um, my bold prediction it's going to be Jaquan Briscoe's getting his first career interception this week. Would love to see it. Would I think, fucking love to see it. I, I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to enter an era because it's getting to the point where Eddie Jackson has to be on this roster moving forward that uh, we have just the fucking bash bros back there of just interceptions, smacking people, you know, Eddie Jackson looking like the guy that, uh, that talked about how good he tackled last year. He looks like that guy. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing too, before, if he was playing at the same level he was in the last two years, you're kind of thinking, okay, $9 million, we might have to eat that money with what they're playing with, with how he's playing right now. There's no reason to eat $9 million for him. You have more than enough cap space. It was, it was was never a doubt for me, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. But uh, score prediction, what do you got? Mm, I got the – I actually think the Bears are going to come – like I think they're going to continue their offensive strategy. Now, it could go the opposite way. It could be like, hey, the first half of the last preseason game and then we get to first season of the year or first game of the year against San Fran and it's a complete mess. But I think we're going to build off that. Um, So I think the Bears are going to put up actually their highest point total of the year at 30 – 34 points, so four touchdowns, two field goals, and they're going to uh, let up 20-24. So 34-24, they'll win by 10. So I'm going to stick with my exact score prediction from last week because I feel like if we played a full four quarters that we could have hit that, and I'm going to go 31-17 Bears. I think uh, I think we're going to get aggressive. I think there's going to be opportunities like on fourth and short where we could take the field goal that I think we're going to get a little bit aggressive against a team like Washington with their secondary and just be able to take that. Um, and go down and score touchdowns. I think Justin Fields, I really like Spag's uh, bold prediction. I think I think Fields goes for three touchdowns. I don't know if they're all through the air, but I think all purpose. I think I think this is a game for Fields to have his coming out party. I think Soldier Field on Thursday night, we're going to have a – people know what this team is and what they just did against the Minnesota Vikings. I feel like there's a bit of a – Bit of bit of something brewing within the fan base of being a little bit excited about this. Even Brian Baldinger knows something's brewing, dude. Baldy's been covering us like every single week. Like, hey man, I fucking like what Flus is doing over there. It might not be wins right now, but I fucking like it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it looks like the team that we were talking about before the season started. Like that could be a fun young team to watch, you know. And man, Soldier Field on a Thursday night. I'm telling you, it's it's going to be it's going to be a crowd, Lucas. Like we are going to be part of one good atmosphere on Thursday at, at the beginning of kickoff. Like we're going to be able to feel the goosebumps in the fucking crowd. And uh, if we can capitalize on that, it's going to be a beautiful night on the uh, on Lake Michigan, no doubt. 
But uh, yeah, so that's our bold predictions. That's our score predictions. Uh, Lucas, if you have anything else you want to toss in here, go right ahead. But otherwise, uh, I'm nah. I'm I'm looking good. Close uh, us out. I don't plan on having a voice. Make sure you um you know if you're going to the game, send us a DM or something. We're going to be tailgating. You know, we could drink a beer at the stadium or something. Like if you want to come hang out, definitely hit us up. Yeah, no, no doubt. I'm definitely gonna be bringing some food. I'm gonna be in the tail. I'm gonna be in McCormick lot. I think I'm gonna be doing a lot. I don't know what lot I'm doing yet, but I'm gonna be probably in the McCormick lots. So that's kind of like a, if I was gonna get a T-shirt to kind of represent, it would be McCormick lot. But anyway, uh, so yeah, no, hit us up. We'll uh, we'll we'll have a beer. I'm gonna bring bring down plenty of the lattes. I might even bring down a bottle to just sip on. Um, it's going to be a good night for sure, man. We're going to have a lot of fun on the lake shore. Um, and, uh, hopefully we're cheers into a bears victory at the end of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, this has been barely there. Um, be sure to follow us on the podcast or follow us on Twitter at barely there pod. Sure. Subscribe. Um, our link tree is basically everywhere at this point. You should be able to find it. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Google play don't matter. Uh, we have like every, every podcast, uh, is available at this point. Um, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, if you are listening to the show on a podcast, you maybe noticed that we kept bringing up like guys like Olap or Spag or um, you know, a couple different guys that were in the uh, chat today. Like uh, it's because they're on YouTube and they're talking to us through the YouTube chat because that is the best shot that we have um, to get you, to get your comments mid show. Like we love answering these questions. I think you guys add to the show a lot. I think it kind of stops me and Lucas from, uh, kind of coasting off and, you know, being complete morons. So, uh, we always appreciate the support with that. Um, as lucky spag says every single week, smash that like button. That does a lot that, uh, helps us with the uh, algorithm on YouTube. Uh, YouTube is a tough nut to crack, but I feel like we've actually been getting some uh, real headway lately. Um, getting pretty close to uh, 50, 50 subscribers, which, you know, that might sound small time to most people, but hey, we'll, we're freaking, we're taking it, man. This is a grassroots podcast. Me and Lucas are coming up from the fucking dirt. Like we are not backed by some company that tells us that we cannot fart on our balls on a live stream for two hours. Like this is just me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this is us. We, we are, we are non-corporate as, um, as humanly possible, you know, like anyway, but yeah. That's that's all I got. Um, till next time, I'm Duke. That's Lucas, and uh, we've been barely there. Bear down. Bear down.